Hello and welcome to the Deep 2 NBA podcast. My name's Sean. Joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boffer, Mr. Boffman, man. How are we? So good. Really, really full, contented, satisfied, ready to talk some hoops. I ate the most just unreal thing for lunch today. What did you have for lunch? It was, so it was breakfast HSP. Uh, how do you do that? Well, let me tell you how they do it. <laughs> and I've been up for ages. I had a very active morning. Hadn't eaten breakfast. I was so hungry by the time I got to lunch. Just yeah. at this fancy cafe. No stress. Breakfast HSP. So what it is, it's like <laughs> braised pulled lamb. With like these crispy bits of like thick crunchy bread that's been like, you know, toasted, like but like extremely toasted. And then they've got like a like a bed of um, potatoes, like a bed of like steamed potatoes down the bottom. So it's like um, cut into like basically like chips. And so that's like the bread. And then they have two poached eggs, garlic sauce, chili sauce, the other one and barbecue. Um the little her- the little herbs with the leaves. All right, so the only HSP thing from that is the Holy Trinity of Sources. Yeah, it's a stylized take on HSP. So if I just made like eggs on toast and put three those three sauces on it, it was lamb and chips, bro. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I I I probably wouldn't order it. Well, what I had for breakfast the other morning was. Oh, you you are ready to rip me to shreds. I'm looking at your eyes. <laughs> You're not happy with my critique of your HSP. No, I I didn't want to eat it because it was a bit, like it was honestly a bit much. Like it was a lot, but I ate it and and I I enjoyed it. And we are where we are. It makes your hair curly. Well, I had toast with potatoes tr- and truffle oil and chorizo and poached eggs. Truffle oil, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'm a twat. <laughs> I'm a podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's two minutes to what we had for breakfast. <laughs> Let's get into why people actually clicked on the episode. Welcome which... to our food episode. <laughs> <laughs> As you can read by the title, which is why you clicked on it, we're going to go through our top 10 players heading into the upcoming season. Um, we have uh, ESPN are currently in the middle of uploading their top 10. I mean, maybe their internet's a bit slow because they got stuck on 51 <laughs> or it's their posting schedule. Um, and SI brought out theirs, which Rob Mahoney and Ben Golliver always do a ordinary job of. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they brought out theirs this year. And that sucks. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. So we thought we would come in and uh, yeah, actually do it properly. <laughs> Um, so we're only going to go up to 10. We honestly don't have the the hours and the day to go to 100. And I really don't want to talk about Andrew Wiggins and like debate. How- yeah, well, that's... Uh, so just spoiler alert, if anyone was planning to read the SI one, Andrew Wiggins is 100. Terrence Ross is 99. Hot take, <laughs> I think Andrew Wiggins is better than Terrence Ross. I feel like no matter where they put Andrew Wiggins, they would put Terrence Ross just ahead of him just for the comedic value. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, I mean, it, it is quite funny. But I think, honestly... Andrew Wiggins, better player than Terrence Ross. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, considering I just said I don't want to talk about it, how about we start it so, uh, with our top 10? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, SI's number 98 was DeAndre Jordan. And the 96 is Jared Allen, <laughs> which is just... <laughs> is that actually what they did? Yeah, they actually did that. Jeez, I skipped right to 10. So they're actually just taking the piss for the first... Yeah, Because well, it mean, doesn't really matter after Yeah, uh, that, no, it doesn't really matter, but... <laughs> anyway, um, moral of the story, they put uh, Al Horford 18 and they put the Marcus Aldridge 16, which I won't hear it. 
I won't hear it. Bradley Beal was 23, and they've yeah. got LaMarcus Aldridge at 16. Anyway. Where's, where's DeMar DeRozan? He's not even in the top 30. Yeah. I know Ben Golver doesn't like DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, well, I've got some words for Ben Golver. <laughs> <laughs> well, so does Andrew Sharp, because um, they both do the SI, the SI sort of open floor podcast. And I know every single year, wherever they put DeMar DeRozan, it's always a point of argument. Anyway, but don't listen to other podcasts. This should be your one source of NBA podcast entertainment <laughs> all right we, we've talked for a little bit let's let's get right into it so do you want to go from number one to ten or ten to one let's go one to ten good because that's how i've written it yeah. um so just to preface we are going one to ten and this is this is our rankings for how who's going to be better next season so we haven't included kd in either of our lists because he's not going to play for a whole entire season and then someone like clay or oladipo if they happen to be in your top ten um, they're obviously going to get docked a lot of points because they're not going to be healthy. Mm. Um, so let's get right into it. Number one, I've put Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> I respect that. Who have you put? Giannis. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you didn't do the joke where it's like, I'll show mine if you show yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so why have you put the guy that got beaten by Kawhi Leonard um, above him? Because uh, Kawhi wouldn't have even been in a position to beat him if it wasn't for the four luckiest bounces in the history of the NBA. Arguably, that's a reason that he was able to big dick it and get get to that point and win playoff series. Yeah, arguably. Uh, no, Giannis is just um, physically on another level to just about every player in the NBA. Um, he he, you know, down low he can anchor um, an, an offense. Um, an offense with his in the paints, with his in the paint scoring, he's a really good facilitator. Average six assists a game, um, like an elite defender. He can be the fulcrum of your defense as a five, but they use him as you know, like kind of how the Warriors use Draymond Green, where he just roams. His wingspan is just like you know, so incredible that it allows him to do that. Um, 27, 12, 6 with you know, uh, one and a half blocks and one and a half steals on a team that won sixty games. I think that's the resume. MVP, I think that's, you know, ironclad. Kawhi showed that he, over the last, you know, like 25 games of the of the postseason, he showed that, you know, like what sort of level he's at. And it was arguably... That, that level is 30, 30 and a half points, 9.1 rebounds and four assists on yeah. 49, 38 and 89. Yeah, I mean, it's arguably one of the best postseason runs we've ever seen. Uh, and it was like truly monumental, truly Herculean, but... I'm going to value postseason success higher than regular season success here. Yeah, fair enough. And um, we didn't, we didn't obviously didn't have the podcast a year ago. But my um, pick for MVP, we actually at the time I was doing a bit of writing for hashtag Basketball, and we did a little. Never got published, but we did a sort of season awards predictions where everyone chucked it into the one document, and we we're going to post that. And then I was <laughs> actually it was pretty funny because. I was the only person that had Luka Doncic for Rookie of the Year. Everyone had DeAndre Ayton. Oh. All for the argument of big men always win. He's going to go out and get 20 and 10. Big men always win. And I'm like, hmm, nah. Yeah. Right. So I was really happy with that one. And then I actually picked Kawhi for MVP heading into that season mm. for pretty much all the reasons why I've got him number one because he went in there, he big-dicked it, um, did what he needed to do, won a championship and left. Now, obviously the load management got in my way of having him as the MVP and also yeah. Giannis does Giannis things and then James Harden averages 36 points. But um, I thought Kawhi was the best player and I think he proved by being able to come into a new team, into a new setting, win a championship and essentially drop the mic and fuck off. Like, 
is just fucking amazing. And also the report came out yesterday that his minutes aren't going to be managed. He's mm. not going to be load managed this coming mm. season, which really helps because Paul George has got one shoulder. Mm. So I think this is like, I think going into the season, he's the best player in the league. And then also during the season, he's going to be the best player in the league because he's going to be playing a lot of minutes with a big opportunity on a winning team. And we might be saying everything you just said about Giannis on a 60-win team, we might say the same thing about Kawhi on a 60-win team. Yeah, 100%. But we also might say it again about Giannis. Yeah, but... That's true. But I just don't... Okay, that's... Okay, fair enough. But I think Kawhi's already done it and he's already won the championship. Yeah, no, fair enough. I've got... Like on my list, my top three, any order, anyone could say any order of them, and I would say 100%. <coughs> yeah, that's correct. That's uh, correct. I feel like there's three that are just like at well, the top, and then the rest, you know, the Lamarcus Aldridge's of the top 10. <laughs> well, I'm actually interested to see who your number three is then. Cause I, so we're going to skip two. Has, have you not got quite two? Nah. What's two? Uh, LeBron James. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought we were going to be so so similar in this. So nah, why we're already deviating? Why is thirty-five-year-old LeBron, who played fifty-five games and showed first signs of aging, going to be the third best player in the league next? I'm going to go full Bill Simmons, and I'm going to say LeBron has played until, um, like at worst late May, every year for the last, or you know, every year apart from last year. Yeah, every year apart from last year. The previous nine years he was in the finals and then he missed, like he got knocked out in the semifinals against the Celtics in 2010, but then the previous four years he was in the conference finals or the finals. Mm. So before last year, of the last 14 or something years, he or like 13 years, he'd only like not made the conference finals once. So he's never had any capacity in, like to catch up on... Um, a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. have a glass of vino, enjoy a taco, you know. No, nah, this year he's got, um, you know, he, he played 55 games, shut himself down towards the end of the season, um, has had the whole off-season to work on getting healthy. We're going to see this bloke, and he didn't really show, like, you know, signs of age. Like, the only thing last year that was different is that he was resting a bit more on defense than he usually does. But, like... You know, it was th- this was when it was clear that the Lakers weren't making the playoffs, so the season mm. was down the tank. The first mm. half of the season, the Lakers were the sixth seed before he went down with that groin injury. Yeah. He was he still ended up averaging like you know twenty seven nine and eight, uh, you know, with his usual incredible shooting splits. And for the Mac Daddy of the NBA for the last fifteen years, I'm going to give him the respect that he deserves, and he's going to maintain a high ranking until proven otherwise. I'm a stand. Okay. Um, I'm a stand as well, but I just don't think you should have him above Kawhi. So you think LeBron's going to be better than Kawhi next season? Yeah, I think so. Okay. A reinvigorated LeBron who's had six months off, whose body, you know, if we assume that his body is like tip-top ready to go, because, you know, reality is that maybe the groin injury last year isn't actually the sign of like something more sinister coming and it's just a groin injury and he takes his, you know, gets his body right, comes back. This is a dude who every year for the last 10 years, regardless of who's won the MVP, everyone's been like, yeah, yeah, man. Like Steph won the MVP back-to-back. He was the first unanimous MVP. But like LeBron's the best player in the league because when he is on the court, he's so transcendent and he's now going to be paired with the best players ever played with. Well, if he plays... So last season he played about 1,300 minutes. I'm not going off any numbers there. I think that was about right. Uh, and usually the average is about 2,700. 
But if he plays 2,000 minutes in this upcoming season, he will be seventh all-time in minutes played in the NBA. Yeah. But, and I mean, there's, there's dude. There's not going to be any age-related decline there. You don't reckon there will? How old was Michael Jordan when he was winning championships? Old. Oh, okay. Because the great players can do it. And, like, uh, you know, like the discussion for the, literally the last 15 years around LeBron, LeBron has been there's never been someone as athletic as this. Back when, back in 2011, you've got, like, young John Wall, Russell Westbrook throwing down these crazy tomahawks, Derek Rose, and LeBron was a better athlete than all of them. 2011. He's a freight train. He's huge. His vertical is like unparalleled. There's no one with this combination of size, speed, and grace. Like, we're not talking about Kyle Korver. We're not talking about Mike Miller, age 38. We're talking about LeBron James. If there's, you know, if there's an exception to the rule, uh, it's this guy. And there are, you know, quite a few examples of players sustaining great late career play. You know, the GOAT, who I just mentioned. Um, Yeah, I think... I think he's a real shot. Okay. Have you got quiet number three? I do have quiet number okay. three. I've got Steph at number three. Yeah, fair enough. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. enough. Call me a Warriors homer because I definitely am. But <clears throat> let me just give you a little bit of a math lesson, all right? So obviously there's no clay um, for probably most of the year. The reports came out that they recommend he takes two years, but I think that's a lot of... Two years for a torn ACL. Well, it was like the, you know how we talked about a couple of days ago, I think it was off there where, you know, the news at the moment is really like, oh, um, Andre Iguodala is not going to report to camp. And then the second biggest news is, oh, look at this mixtape from 2010 of something. Like it's, there's no real news. So the news was, I think it was some small doctor recommended that every small doctor. I mean, maybe it's like 6'2", but (laughs) small in, (laughs) small in reputation. Um, <laughs> small reputation said he pretty much said all athletes should take two years off so then they sort of like turned around and said oh clay should take turn two years off and yeah yeah you know, they met two years away from clay's me. doctor recommends two years off all right that wasn't my point so kd clay um combined took 37 35.7 shots in a game right and let's say that steph and d'angelo take those 37 shots split amongst themselves that would mean that Steph, if he takes half of those shots, will be taking 37.25 shots a game. If, as long as the last couple of years, around 60% of his field goals attempted are threes, that would mean that he will be taking 22.46 threes a game. And last season, he shot 44% from three, which means, well, actually, so I've I've said he he shot 44% from three, but let's say he shoots 40%, which is good for a human, bad for Steph, but let's say he shoots 40% on a like a worse team with less spacing, um, he will average nine made threes a year. And then let's say that he doesn't take half of all the shots that Clay did, KD and Clay give up. I mean, that's nine made threes and maybe you'd, you'd take off two made threes or something. Like we both have said before, we are entering the year of Steph. There is going to be plenty of opportunity. If he can stay healthy, there's 35 plus shots to be taken here. And I don't think Willie Cauley-Stein is just going to be a sponge and soak up 20 or like, there's going to be a lot of shots to take. Steph's going to take him. It's going to be like game five of the finals or game four where Clay was out and KD was out and Steph just did everything he could to try and will his way past Freddie Van Vliet. And it's just going to be so much fun to watch. And we're entering the, entering the year of Steph and it's just going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I want to believe that, but the way that that usually shakes out is that, you know, like D'Angelo is going to take 18 shots a game. So that's already half of that number gone. That's like a full 50% of that is gone. 
Steph's numbers are already pretty big in terms of like, you know, should mm. I say like he probably realistically probably maxes out like twenty two a game. If if sixty percent of those are threes, he's attempting, you know, like maybe like twelve. I'm really bad at math, so I'm trying but to work what, out. What a, Twelve what? threes a game. If he makes it at forty percent or forty five percent, you know, he's making four to five threes a game, which is still like almost unprecedented. We Vol- might see like a James Harden thirty-six. Yeah, what's going to happen is those the the rest of those shots, the rest of those eighteen odd shots that aren't going to D'Angelo are going to be uh, like maybe Steph will take five of them, but the other thirteen are going to be distributed to your Alec Burks. To your, yeah, to your <laughs> Alec Burks, to your Smile Gooch, to Swaggy Pool, <laughs> to the people who you don't necessarily want seeing a two-shot uptick, but they will, and that's why you're going to probably see a bit of regression from this team. I mean, that game where. It was Steph and nobody yeah, else. Yeah, it was Steph and nobody else. It was so easy for the Warriors, for the Raptors to game plan for that because they knew where the ball was going and mm-hmm. they knew that they could let anyone else shoot. They knew that they were looking for Steph every single time and that Steph was looking for his own shot, not looking to, you know, dump it off to fucking, you know. Mm-hmm. Draymond. At Draymond yeah, yeah, Draymond for an open three. Like, it's not And, that, the and that's not where they did there. the box and one. But yeah. I think that is in the peak of basketball in the NBA finals when you've got good defenders like Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. But... On a random Tuesday when you're playing Sacramento and it's like, well, De'Aaron Fox can't really guard Steph. Like, maybe he'll make up for the points on the end, the other end, but Steph's just going to like have these games where he just goes off a of forty or fifty. And yeah, be... he, he will, but he can't do that every game. He, did, sustain- he did two years ago. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about, though. Like, <laughs> like two years ago, we're talking about um, like like a, like a step down or maybe even two steps down from the type of production that you're talking about. He's not he's not going to make nine threes a game. Like it's just not. I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun to think. He's going to have. It's fun to think about. Oh, 100 percent. He's going to have like incredible he's gonna have volume more and incredible scope to have like a absolutely monstrous offensive season. Like you could see him average 35. Like it's possible. You could see him do what Harden did last year. But what always happens is those shots get distributed more evenly just because it's not possible. Like, unless you're Russell Westbrook, it's not possible for you to absorb all those shots. Like, they have to go somewhere else. Mm. There's only so many that one person can take. Um, and especially in an offense that's so, like, naturally egalitarian and for a player that is, like, the conductor of the orchestra more so than, like, the, mm. you know, like, the greedy. The yeah, than the trumpet. Like, like, like Steph's... You know, like he's, like he's not going to want to average thirty six. He's going to yeah. want to average thirty with like ten assists. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, what if he does? That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a crazy season from Steph Curry. Like, it's going to be. I just hope he can stay healthy. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's someone like Westbrook. You never really worried about the volume that he was using, just because he's such a bull. But Steph is a bit more frail. Um, it's so weird to call like a six foot three, hundred ninety five pound person frail, but you know what I mean. Mm. Um, All right, so your third was Kawhi, mine was Steph. Who's your fourth? James Harden. I've got Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Also, I respect that. I am playing a game at the moment called How Long Until Sean Says LeBron. Uh, yeah. I've picked his teammate, Anthony Davis, ahead of him. And when you said the Bill Simmons argument, I thought you were going to go with the Bill Simmons argument that I'm cherry picking as well. Is that Davis Le- is going to get MVP? Because. I reckon LeBron will age in in this season, um, as opposed to you. And I think LeBron's going to say, "Well, this is the best the best teammate I've ever had." And, you know, you've got Anthony Davis right there. I'm just going to go all in, just be his number one campaigner. He's going to be the vice president to him, going for going for president, going for MVP. And he's going to have all the opportunities he can want. There's going to be like 
the pick and roll with AD and LeBron surrounded by um, three non-shooters. Probably. <laughs> it's it's going to be really three, well, two non-shooters and whatever you want to say about KCP. Oh, not a lot. Is going to be really interesting. Also, um, something like Rondo and AD played really well together um, in, in that single season in, in New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah. And they played really well in the playoffs. So that's like another interesting little wrinkle. There's going to be another player that AD... I mean, I'm assuming he's going to be good with LeBron, but another player he's going to be good with, he's going to get everything he wants and he's going to be in a big market. And this is this is why he was such a twat in New Orleans to get his way out of there. Like, this is what he's wanted. He's coming in 100% healthy because he barely played down the end of the season. Like, this is what he wanted. If he says, oh, I don't really like it, then, well, maybe it's something fucking wrong with you. Like, maybe you're the one that shouldn't have spat the dummy down the end of the season. This is your opportunity. Go out there and just absolutely kill the world. Mm. And I'm banking on the original unicorn to do that. Yeah. And why have you got James Harden? Because the bloke, the list of people who've ever averaged more points um, per game in a season than James Harden is Michael Jordan and Wilt Chamberlain. So that's a good place to start. Averaged 36 a game last year. Overcame it, like his team overcame a terrible start and so much organisational dysfunction to... Like be willed into the playoffs basically by the singular desire and mindset of this player and his like the style that they end up playing like it it he became the conduit for their success like without him there was no success he was the most ISO heavy um, I think it was one like one of the highest usage rates um, of all time I think he and Russell Westbrook's two, 2017 MVP season are the two highest of all time um, he basically. Um, he basically like invented the step back three as a um, as a usable like a usable move. Like the numbers, if you go back five years ago, the numbers of like who made the most step back threes in the season was someone who made like twenty five, mm. and now Harden's making like literally hundreds of them. Like like I think some it was some some crazy percentage of Harden's made threes uh, unassisted. It was like six percent of his threes were assisted. So this bloke is legitimately just sizing you up with a hezzy or a step back nailing it off the three. He's always been one of the best in the league at getting to the line. He's just an offensive system unto himself. He actually took more threes off the dribble last season than the next two highest volume in Kemba and Dame combined. Yeah, so I mean, like, the the volume uh, that we're seeing is unprecedented, but it's not... He's not chucking. Yeah. The, they're good shots. They're good shots. And he gets to the His efficiency the is through the roof. He gets to the line. It, it was one of the most... I mean... In the same way that watching Kawhi down the stretch in the playoffs, you would you just kind of had a sense that there was like something bigger going on that you were witnessing something that was more than just like the Eastern Conference semifinals. Mm. Same way with Harden, you're watching and you're like can't quite believe it, um, especially because it's so like uh, it's the polar opposite of the the team that you know he um, the team that the Rockets. Um, took over as like the most three heavy team in the league because when the Warriors came in they were shooting all these threes everyone was like a jump shooting team well not everyone Charles Barkley was like a jump shooting team can't win they were setting all these records for taking the most threes mm. but it was a ball movement um, offense that just you know relied on the the wearing of different parts and the you know the togetherness of a team working perfectly in tandem this bloke is literally just bringing the ball up to court and pulling up for a three because there's nothing you can do yeah, I, I've got him at five here. I've um, got Davis at five. For well, he sort of flip flop there. Yeah. So for all the same reasons as you just said, and yeah, man, like this this Houston season started off with Michael Carter Williams and Carmelo Anthony. Like 
it's just it was it was in the it was in the pits. I think they were like eleven and fourteen, and then he just you know snapped his fingers and then started averaging thirty six points, and that's factoring in the slow start as well. Thirty six points factoring in the slow start where he averaged not that many. Like mm. if you yeah down the last three quarters of the of the season, his average is closer to forty. Uh, you know, I just remember being like. I don't know, like maybe like 14 and you see every year, like maybe it's like KD with like 29 or maybe it's Mello with 27, like the points per game leader. And then I look, you look back and I was like, Alan Iverson, well, he averaged 32 points a game in 2001. 32, that's crazy. And this bloke has come in with efficiency and volume ratio that we've never seen before in the modern NBA and just, just absolutely blown it away. Mm-hmm. Um, like the things that we thought possible even two years ago in terms of offensive production from one person, he's completely reoriented the axis at which we have to view these things. Um, I've put him below Anthony Davis here because Russ is coming into his team and I think he's going to take away a couple of those shots and we're not going to get this crazy thing that you just described as well. So that's why I've sort of knocked him down a spot. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. no fault of his own. Yeah, no fault of his own. And Davis is... Uh, you refer to him as the original unicorn. Like he's the most complete big man in the game. It's mm. not particularly close. If you yeah, if you count Davis as a five, I've got two other fives in my top ten, and Davis is far and away better than either of them. Like it's not even close. So, so he's uh, just same, but I think it's a bit closer. Mm. Uh, anyway, number six, I've got LeBron for. I don't know why we talked about LeBron for like the last three little um, one and twos there, but. You know, we we've heard why we've got LeBron. I've just got him a bit lower for all the aforementioned reasons. Who's your six? My six is Steph Curry. Okay. So you think? Yeah. I uh, see. I I don't know. I I think this list is pretty interchangeable. Yeah, it is. is it's it is, interesting because there's yeah. I mean, for the most part, like at least like the top six or seven, there's like there's a, there's a there's a group. Um, but I think LeBron, even if the opposite of what what I um, agitated for before happens what you're saying where LeBron takes a backseat and tries to get Davis the MVP and he plays more of a support role than he does like the dynamic um, offensive force that we've seen in the past like if LeBron's scoring drops off by four but he's still the point guard predominant ball handler like if he averages 24 9 and 8 on you know 40, 49 38 <laughs> and 80 with you know, See, maybe that's, he, that's another little um, funny asterisk because he shot sixty six percent from three loss from the free throw from, line. Yeah, he's always up and down from the line. But that's pretty. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not fantastic. Uh, that's to but be yeah. sure. Um, I mean, if he puts up those numbers, and they win fifty three games, like he's trying a bit harder on defense because they don't have to shoulder the load so much on offense. That that bloke is still. You know, in my eyes, like I'd still probably be able to just to my at least to myself be able to justify having him at two, because he's he's that I mean, he's that special of a player. Um, I put Davis. I made I really made sure that I wanted to get Davis somewhere high because I've honestly forgotten how good of a player he is. Just because mm. the la- last year he was either like pretty much toiling in anonymity. Or, yeah, or spat the dummy. So he, you know, was kind of playing really well, but you weren't thinking about New Orleans last year for the first half of the season. And second half of the season, he wasn't playing. And Mm -hmm. you were kind of just like a bit black. I was pretty miffed with the way he handled it. I think he, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a clusterfuck. Yeah. 
Um, it was a clutch to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Paul <Yeah>, jokes. <laughs> uh, no, I, like, like, yeah, so I, I need to remind myself how good he is. Yeah. And in the same way, like, LeBron James is is the most transcendent player we've seen since Michael Jordan. There's an argument that he is the most transcendent player we've ever seen. He has done things um, and continues to do things that, you know, shouldn't be possible for a person of his size. So, yeah, I don't know. Lebr- I, yeah. All right, number seven, I've got Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Same? Same. Same deal. And you've got him, well, who's your number eight? Joel Embiid? Yeah. Cool. And uh, Sports Illustrated actually had this flipped about. Yeah. They had Embiid just one spot ahead of Jokic, which I thought was stupid because you're telling the all-NBA voters that they're wrong because Jokic was first team and Embiid was second team. And I don't know, man, like Embiid got the shits in the playoffs and Jokic came out, and let me just grab my sheet again. Jokic came out in his first playoffs ever and averaged 25, 13, 8.4 on 51, 39, and 84. Like, and playing, we were like, just talking playing about like 42 minutes a game or something. Yeah, like and playing. he is the, <laughs> I've got it written here, is the mitochondria of the Denver cell. He is the engine of the 57-win car. And that's that's it. From wow, this, you, that's it from a stupid analogy. This guy did year ten bio. You can tell. I actually it really comes never through. never done a bio day of bio in my life. Wow, and I you just, still know what a mitochondria is? That's all I know. Wow, it's all over the internet. Yeah, all the normie memes. Yeah, well, I mean, it's um, yeah, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. You got the nucleus. Yeah. You got the cell wall. Yeah. So why why did you take him beat after? <laughs> uh, well, you don't want to hear more about the cell no, membrane. No, no. There's a reason I didn't take year ten bio. <laughs> Yeah, so Jokic is better than Embiid for a few reasons. Uh, like James Harden, you just roll Jokic out, and then that's your offense. Um, he is like compatible with literally every single type of player in the entire league. Like, there's mm. no one who he couldn't play with, no one who he couldn't elevate, no one who he couldn't make better. Um, the only advanced stats that look more kindly on Embiid um, on defense, yeah, are the other defensive stats. Um, everything else, like on off, um, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, like box plus minus, um, is all is all in favor of Jokic. Um, the stats speak for themselves, and Embiid is a little bit uh, less complete as a player. He's not a fantastic passer, like in general or out of double teams. Mm. Could definitely improve. He's going into this next season, seeing that as a problem that's happened both these last two playoffs. So. He would be stupid not to try and work on something like that and yeah, not improve. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So, And if he does, I could see him overtaking Nikola Jokic, even, yeah, well, even though I love Jokic. It's close. Moment. Like, it's definitely mm. not... Um, well, speaking on the stats there, uh, the defensive stats, one of the reasons why I have um, Embiid over the next two guys on the list is because there's just some great stat that's come out the last two years where he actually... He makes... When he's on the court, he makes opponents shoot roughly 10 percentage points less... Mm like efficient while yeah. he's in the paint. Which is Gobert-esque. Which, but he also deters, like opponents shoot 10 percentage points less like attempts yeah. in the paint when yeah. he's there. So not only are they shooting worse, they're also not shooting there. They're taking more inefficient shots in the mid-range and just not going in there and starting mm. again, which is amazing. Gobert yeah. does the same thing. Yeah. I, I really, really, really tried to chuck a Utah Jasmine in here, but I couldn't. Well, you don't want to put Joe Ingles in? Nah, man. Oh. Nah. I've got him 10. Have you? Yeah. Crazy. Ahead of, ahead of Donovan. Yeah. Yeah. C- controversial, I know. <laughs> um, nah, I, I, I think it's really close between Embiid and Jokic. Um, but Jokic is just more complete. Like, you double Jokic and he'll pick you apart. 
um, Embiid is not. Like, this is just nitpicking. Yeah. Um, Embiid's not as good of a screen setter and role man as you would like for someone who's that big. He makes most of his money on um, offensive rebounds, getting to the line, which he does quite a bit, and then just posting up because he's the single-handed. Like, there's no one who's the better post scorer in the NBA than him. Like, he's just like mm-hmm. a boss. He gets like 15 points a game in the post just from like bullying someone down low. Um, Jokic just does more and does uh, like what what he can't do better than Embiid. He still does pretty good. Like Jokic is actually a decent defender. Um, so the the gap there is not as large as some people might. Also, we've got Jokic and Embiid here at seven and eight, and then we've both got um, Anthony Davis a lot higher. And yeah, again, it's just such a shame that he spat the dummy spat the dummy last year and was playing twelve minutes a game because he wasn't even in any of the All NBA teams, and these guys were fighting over first team All NBA. Yeah, and we both think that if Davis just grew up and played, then He's clearly head and shoulders above all these guys. He averaged like 29 points in the first half of last season. I know. And then he just... That's all, folks. Yep, that's all, folks. The best player he's ever played with is... Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. Half season of Boogie, but they didn't exactly complement each other fantastically. Like the best player he's ever played with is Drew Holiday. So, Drew Holiday... is a good player. Love him. Let's, uh, let's But he's not on. LeBron. Let's move on before you piss me off with what your Drew Holiday tax. Oh! Oh! What are you going to do? Buy a jersey? <laughs> Spend five minutes on next pod just <laughs> looking for it. Uh, let's go nine and ten. Who have you got? I'll, got, show, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. <laughs> I'm shy. Stop it. I've got Dame, number nine. And ten? Who have you got? I've got Dame, number nine, and then Paul George. Yeah, same. Oh, so we ended up going... Oof, um, good finish. Yeah, good finish. The reason... I wanted to put someone else, <laughs> I wanted to put someone else in there, but there is like a... Instead of Paul George. Yeah. Well, but, but then it's like... He's got one shoulder. Yeah, he's got one shoulder, but he's also all NBA first. Paul George legitimately third in MVP. Bro. Paul George legitimately. Um, I never played Pokemon, but Paul George just evolved. Like he's become the high. He's like the Charizard of the three and D wing. He's like the ultimate highest level of evolution you can possibly get to. He never played Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Charizard. Can't he's the blue eyes white dragon. He's the obelisk, the tormentor. You goes more my speed. Of <laughs> three and D wings, the bloke legitimately just like leveled up and became like the most efficient, high usage three point shooter that like like spot up three point shooter that we saw in the league last year. And he made all defensive first team. Mm. Like he was the best player on the team, and you know, single handedly pulled them into well not single handedly like like one and a half handedly pulled them into the playoffs because um. Westbrook was just bricking everything he took. He's ecstasy for three and D lovers, which is lucky because I love three and D players. What about ecstasy? Nah, never tried that one. I'm, <laughs> I'm just happy with my Trevor Ariza's shooting forty five percent. And Dame, Dame speaks for itself. I mean, he's definitely a tier below the guards above him, but then yeah. he's clearly a step up from Kemba and Bradley. Yeah, he's the best that sort of level. Yeah, he's he's the best of the rest. He's, he's be- the ninth best player in the league. Yeah, where you put it? Yeah, exactly. I couldn't put it better myself. Oh, stop it. Um, Dame, yeah, I think Dame, you're right though. Dame is significantly better than uh, like Westbrook, Paul, Kyrie, Kemba. Like they're all another another notch below. Hopefully next season we can add Darren Fox into that. Yeah, well, who who do you think is sort of threatening to get into this list? We I know this wasn't on our notes, but are there any players that come to mind? I'll think of it too, but anyone? I, think, I think the big one, and it all, you know, like, a lot would have to go right here, but is Carl Anthony Towns. 
I think Towns is the most talented player not on this list, mm. but and he's so hamstrung by situation in Mini. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if what we think happens happens and Mini wins thirty four to thirty eight games, mm. and they're just outside of that, you know, like in the race for the eight, like maybe they finish ninth or tenth in the West. He's still just going to rock up every game and average 25, 12 with five assists and like, you know, crazy block numbers, crazy Mm -hmm. block percentage numbers. The on-off numbers with him on the court versus off the court are going to be insane. Which it it is helped along by Gorji Zhang backing him up. Yeah, well, I mean... I I, know, I know. (laughs) I'm not not trying to knock him. I I do agree. He is on the outside looking in, but he's, he's very close. I think someone... Like Rudy Gobert is also really who could make a move. Well, we saw in FIBA how much he just destroyed these smaller players. Yeah, but FIBA's a different I, beast. I know it's FIBA and I know it's Harrison Barnes, but if that is you know a sign of the future and how he can now play against these smaller lineups. So if you're playing Houston and they chuck PJ Tucker on him and say, "Well, fucking score three possessions in a row," like if he can finally do that, he doesn't have to be crazy. He just needs to beat the small guys they're putting on him. And if the league is evolving into more uh, big focus with, you know, you see like Sabonis and Turner, that's something always people always look back to. But if the league is becoming more big, we're just going to move towards Rudy. But if Rudy is getting better against playing small guys, I think he can also crack in just as like a hyper-efficient defensive player of the year. Yeah, I think I think he's a step, like a step below that. I think he's like definitely a top 20 player, but I think probably on the lower end. It just doesn't do enough. Mm. Someone like the, like the other two, um, like the other most recent um, winners of the Defensive Player of the Year award are Kawhi and Draymond, who both do a lot more than um, Gobert does. And it's like whoever wins the DPOY, their, their, their defensive numbers that year have to be insane. Like there's a minimum threshold that you have to get for um, like team like team defensive performance, um, performance with you on the court, you've got to get block percentage, steal percentage, you've got to have the raw totals. Like Gobert is going to hit all those most years, but the years when Kawhi and Jamal were, were winning it, they do so much more. Hmm. Like I, I, like Gobert at his at his essence is still just a rim rolling big, and there's a limit on how good a player like that can be um, offensively and then defensively. Like you know, this doesn't get doesn't get much better for someone defending the paint, but. I would need to see it in the NBA because even in if the playoffs, switch and be even in the playoffs last year, it, it, like Gobert at the top of the key, he's not flat-footed, but he's not fleet-footed. He's no Kevon Looney. He's no <laughs> Kevon, sliding with He's no Kevon Looney. Um, yeah, I think the I mentioned Fox before. I think Fox is another dude who um, could take a, a not a jump into the top ten, but a jump in firmly into that top twenty and like kind of. Best of the rest of that pack of guards under Dame. What about? Do you ever see Pascal Siakam getting you? Nah, I don't. Oh, I don't think so. Just because we is he going to be at like the Draymond level for? Is that sort of his peak? Not obviously not that good on defense, but that sort of he's always going to be the third fiddle next to Stephen Clay. Or he's always going to be the third piece or second. Yeah, I I think I need to see it from Spicy P. Without Kawhi. Without Kawhi. Well, I mean, without Kawhi, but also just like for a longer period of time. Because if you look at the player, like the list of players who have for two thirds of a regular season and then a postseason played really, really well, like there's f- probably, you know, probably a lot of them, but not mm. all of them went on to become, you know, like super duper stars. Andrew Wiggins averaged 23 points a game in his second season. Uh, and. Yeah, now Terrence Ross is better than him, according to SI. <laughs> SI put um they put Siakam at twenty five, which yeah. I think is a I think is a bit high. 
I don't. Yeah. Is he better than Lamarcus Aldridge? <laughs> no. I not. just think that. I just think that Lamarcus picks a bit. I don't know. Well, Marcus Aldridge is not the 16th best player in the league. Bradley Beal, who averaged 27, yeah. 6, and 5 with, like, the most ridiculous shooting splits carrying the entire offensive load for his team, is, like, 23rd, and you're saying that. Anyway, Ben Golliver and... Um, Can Bradley Beal break into this list if he averages over yeah, 30 points? Yeah, Bradley, there, there's, there's, a, there's, like, a list of guys who have, like, enough talent to yeah, break like in here. Like back to Cat. And, yeah, yeah, Bradley Beal is in that list. Like, Lamarcus Aldridge at this stage in his career is not. Maybe he never was. Like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. someone was talking to me about Greg Oden the other day, and it just made me remember those st- the, the stats that when um, Brandon Roy, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Greg Oden played, um, when they started together, they played like 51 games total, and they were like 48 and 3 in, that, in those games. Yeah. And then obviously we all know what happened with Odin and Roy. What, Didn't a, work what a lovely way to finish the podcast. Anyway, dislocated, ruptured knees and tendons and what, anyway, what might have been. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram and the new Twitter, which we will be posting everything we do across all those platforms. Plus Instagram is going to be a bit more pretty. And if you want to read some of well, listen to us in sort of written form, we... Listen to us in written form. You know what I mean. We've, we started the Deep 2 blog um, and the same stuff as last episode. If you guys want to get involved, you can just hit us up. If you want to write some stuff, if you want to just say thanks, keep up the good work. We're, we've got very big egos here, so we'd love to Need hear to that. Need to be fed. And, yeah, yeah, thanks for listening. I just want to reiterate, read the damn blog. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good and it looks really nice. Yeah, it looks um, really pretty. Short, like, five to ten minute pieces, digestible in the morning on your lunch break really good read it anyway thanks for listening hope you have a sick one